pressing forward without a doubt longing for the things unsaid longing for the things I delayed my true country we hope and wait for the glorious day all tears will vanish wiped away on the saints this day already alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest droughts and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving sings my comforter
righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good? Kind of still waking up, I see. <laughs> well, we're glad to have everyone here this morning. We're going to call everyone in from the cafe, ask you to come on in with your coffee so we can begin our time of worship together. I hope everyone had a good week and that you're staying warm. Hang on. Spring is here. It just hasn't revealed itself yet. So it's coming and it will get warm soon. Yay, right? I hear a clap somewhere. There's somebody else that's with me on that. All right, would you stand with me and we will begin our time of worship together.
would you pray with me this morning? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this place today. Lord, we come before you this morning. Some of us have had busy mornings. Some of us woke up late. Some of us didn't feel like coming, but we're here. And we're here to see you, Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that you feel welcome here, that your Holy Spirit feels welcome and loosed in this place to do what it is that you want to do today. I thank you for making this day for us, that you have a plan for it, and that each of us here is going to be underneath that umbrella of you, that you just speak to us, Jesus, and that you you show us the path that you want us to take. I thank you for growing us in you, Lord, and I pray that those roots will go down deeper into our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you will bring fruit from that. I pray that we will have teachable spirits this morning and that we'll be full of joy just because we know you. We know who you are. And that no matter what's happening, Jesus, you're in control of it all. I thank you for the love in this church. I thank you for the way that you love us. And I pray, Jesus, that that will just pour out of us to those around us, Lord. So we give you this morning, and we just come before your throne and sit at your feet and just want you to know how much we love you and how much we're thankful for what you've done for us and that there's nothing more important than you. So we love you, Lord. And I just pray that you'll be in the middle of this this morning, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said amen, right? Would you guys turn to each other and welcome each other here this morning? Tell them you're glad that they're here. God's house today. I love the sound of a church family that's glad to be together. Last chance for a hug or handshake, then you can have a seat. I thought about the psalm that inspired that uh, opening song we've been singing for a few weeks, Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's the day of our salvation. And uh, I'm glad for uh, that day and this day and every day that God gives us. If you didn't get a bulletin uh, on white and in color, our ushers are coming around. Grab one of those. You want one of those. 
And inside uh, those bulletins are those connection cards. If you're new with us today, we'd love to have some contact information. Uh, on the flip side, an opportunity to share prayer requests that we can be praying with you about. You can drop those in the offering plates as they come around in just a few minutes. Lunch today after service, we've got a group of men leading that effort today. It's going to be a disaster. No, it's not. It's going to be awesome. Larry King is head guy, and uh, in honor of Larry, we're not calling it a pot luck today. We're calling it a pot blessing. A pot blessing. Yep, Larry's going to get blessed. So anyway, everyone's welcome. As a part of our regular offering today, we're taking a love offering. I think we gave you the heads up about this last week. I've got a picture of the young a Nazarene Serbian couple that serves as missionaries there. There's Ben and Hannah, and they have a little boy. I'm looking for Jim. Do you know? Little boy, little boy. Yeah, okay. So I thought so. So they're going to have two pretty soon, or they have two. Anyway, the love offering is for them. That's the point. And uh, we uh, want to send uh, that uh, love offering with Jim Rumsey, who's going to be a part of a district uh, witness and work and witness team, mission team to that country. Uh, they're taking off April 12. We're going to pray over Jim, probably Easter Sunday, Jim. You're going to be here, right? Yeah, good. There's how you can give in that love offering, three or four different ways. And uh, notice in the seat pockets today some uh, offering envelopes. That's new, and that'll come in handy a number of times. So uh, pray about uh, a generous love offering for a young couple serving, uh, serving the Lord and His church in Serbia. Last Saturday, uh, the women enjoyed a beautiful time of fellowship just down the hallway, and there's a picture capturing that. Uh, this segment of our service is all about things that happen beyond Sunday morning, and there's one of those, and I know they had a great time last Saturday. I think I count about 20 women in that picture. That's a good thing. In your bulletins this morning is an invite card to uh, Easter Sunday, especially the stuff for kids. Now, if you're going to pass this version out, you're going to have to make a correction because somehow it got past all our eyes. Easter Sunday is April 9. That says April 12. And it says Saturday. But, you know, our bad. So if you pass that out to a friend, and that's what that's about, scratch out Saturday, April 12, and put Sunday, April 9. And by next week, we'll have that corrected. But looking forward to Easter in just a couple of weeks. Invite a friend, a neighbor, a family member that doesn't have a church and have them join us. For the second straight year in the United States and Canada, our denomination is calling us to a special time of prayer. This year it begins on Easter. I want to show you a quick video that captures what that's all about. Greetings. My spirit has been greatly encouraged by the outpouring of prayer that I've witnessed across our region over this past year. Sunday, May 1, was a historic day as a half million Nazarenes were mobilized together in prayer. This corporate prayer had a unifying effect. And then, from May 1 to Pentecost, we entered into a journey of prayer. Remember? We published a prayer journal along with a mobile app 
featuring daily devotionals that drew us all together. What this experience taught me about Nazarenes is that we are truly a praying people. Our church reminds me of the description of the New Testament church. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. From clergy to laity alike, our church family has expressed over and over, let's do it again. Let's make corporate prayer a part of the USA-Canada identity. Well, we've heard you. We're going to pray together again this year for 50 days from Easter to Pentecost. We're going to focus our prayers first on our mission to make Christ like disciples in the nations. And we're going to pray, oh Lord, fulfill our vision of mobilizing all Nazarenes in unity, blessing our community, bringing people to Jesus and becoming Christ-like disciples. A new prayer journal entitled From Mission to Vision to Mobilization will be available this coming March and will have 50 daily devotionals to lead us from Easter to Pentecost. It will be printed in English and available from the Foundry. There will also be a mobile app version available in English, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, and French Creole. Finally, Holiness Today's March-April edition will feature this year's Call to Pray with articles about our mission and vision together. Will you pray with your church again this year? Will you pray for the mission and vision of the church to truly take hold? For the Spirit to guide us in unity? Will you join a half million Nazarenes mobilized, praying for the Lord to empower His church to do His will across Canada and the USA? Starting Easter Sunday, join the 50 days of prayer. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family. Worship and prayer pastor has a couple more details for us. So I'm excited about this. Mm. I think that uh, we know that Jesus called in Matthew 21, his house was a house of prayer. Right. And so um, it's super special when we can get together as a church. And um, really, Canada and U.S. is doing this together. So we have the prayer journals here. They're available. They're back on those back tables in front of the sound booth. We are limited on how many we're allowed to have, so I ordered as many as I could get, and when they're gone, they're gone, so grab yours today. We ask that you take one per family, just so we can get them to as many families as we can, and then you can do each day with your family together, um, and they are really a beautiful focus in here. So again, I just wanted to let you know that um, the four main points that they're, they're focusing on is mobilizing. Um, all Nazarenes in unity in the midst of a polarized world. He, they are also going to be calling all the churches to engage in blessing our communities. We've started that here, and it's exciting to get into our community and let them know about the love of Christ and who he is. Um, a passion for bringing people to Jesus, especially younger generations. They're focusing on the younger generations, which is huge and important for the church to move forward and go on. 
and then a longing for the transformation of the whole person becoming Christ-like disciples, mobilized to make a holy, positive impact in our world. And do we need positivity from Jesus? Yes, we do. So I'm excited about this. It's going to be a great time. It starts on Easter and goes through Pentecost. So you can grab them in the back there, just so you're aware of that. I think I'm actually going to have Corey and Jerry, if you'd come down with those that are sitting right back there and put the extras back on that table, just like we do the bulletins, one per household. And uh, let's, let's gear up for a special time of prayer. Thank you, Leslie. Hey, everyone that wants one, grab one. Scott Meyer's coming to give you a uh, pastoral search update. Let's hear it for Scott Meyer, board vice chair. There you go, buddy. Good morning, Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. Nothing up my sleeves. Just want to make sure there's no tricks up here. Um, but it has been a while since we've given a pastoral update, and uh, I think that I've been reminded several times by some of y'all out there that what, what is going on? Well, things have been going on. We have been communicating with a candidate, and that, that communication actually has taken longer than we normally would have. We asked to have some time because we felt like we were being rushed in every decision we were making. So we asked to have some time, and Dr. Eskren said that would be a great thing to do to actually think and pray before we decide whether or not to make another step. Normally, we would meet together, we would talk, maybe we would see a resume, and we would vote right there whether we're going to go to the next step or not. And that, that was... Well, you know how that was working out. It was uh, a little up and a little down, and, but we have, we have progressed. And we also had uh, a situation where the candidate asked for a little bit more time to think and pray. And we actually had two interviews. The first interview was mostly us inter interviewing that candidate. Then we had asked for that time to think and pray about it. And the candidate asked if we could have another interview and we were already thinking down that path anyway so we had a second interview and that second interview you could ask anybody else on the board because I wouldn't expect you to trust me but uh, you can ask anyone on the board and that was really an interview that the candidate was interviewing us was it not and we we saw that as being something something that was different and special uh, well, we do have a, a small announcement, and that is that we will have a candidate here on the weekend of the 29th and 30th of April, and they will spend the weekend here. We will have more details as we go forward because we don't necessarily know exactly what flight they're coming in on and what, when they're going to be leaving, and I think that's a little flexible. There was some discussion on both sides 
that it would be great to spend a little bit more than just, you know, 36 hours and boom, they're in and they're out. Uh, so we're going to we're going to be be able to give you more details as we go forward. Expect more information almost on a weekly basis about the details of that visit. We're also putting together a schedule of what we would like that uh, to look like, but we also want to be very flexible um, with with the candidate, their time, and our time. But make sure you mark your calendars the weekend of the 29th and 30th. It may actually extend a day before that, a day after that, or both. So, yeah, everybody ready for that? Is that a good weekend? All right. I didn't, I didn't get very much. Is that, is that going to be a good weekend? Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Oh, that, uh, well, maybe I can't say that yet. I better not. Anyway, Kelly's going to come. Uh, don't forget to vote, by the way, as you leave today, if you haven't voted already for delegates to our district assembly. Our kiddos. Are there kiddos out there? You can go back that direction. Miss Tracy's waiting for you. Adeline is waving the flag. And let's open our hearts to the Word of God this morning. In a few minutes, our ushers will come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. But we are so privileged to be able to open up God's love letter to us and to read, and to learn, and to grow, and to know that the Holy Spirit is as active in us as we read his word as he was when the writers wrote that word. Today I'm going to be reading from Hebrews 3, beginning with verse 1. The writer of, of Hebrews is wanting us to know that Jesus is greater than Moses. Therefore, Holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was, a faithful, was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ, but Christ, he is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And then Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks be to God for his scripture.
and his instruction for us. Our ushers are now going to come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. Just want to remind you about that offering for those Serbian missionaries. And thank you for your generosity in giving.
Scott, can you put up the bridge and this next song? I wanted to, this just, God laid this on my heart this morning. This next song we're going to do, the bridge says, you turn mourning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes, you turn shame into glory. You're the one who came. Now back it back up to that first verse. That, or not the verse, the first line there. You turn mourning to dancing, that's Psalms 30. You give beauty for ashes, that's Isaiah 61. You turn shame into glory, that's Zephaniah 319. You're the only one that can. God gave us his word to show us who he is, what he's done. He's always faithful. He always has an answer for us. And that we can count on him. It's truth. This is built on truth. And it's so wonderful that we can put it to music. And we can sing his truth over ourselves, over people. That we can just know that it is exactly what he wants to do for us. So I thought that was really comforting as we were singing it this morning, and he just started laying those things on our hearts. And this team this morning went out and prayed over all of you today. They walked up and down these aisles, and they prayed for you. They take it serious, and they're worrying for you. So we have God's truth, we have prayer, and now we get to worship him. So I just thought I'd share that with you because it put a lump in my throat this morning when he said, see what I've done for you. See what I have for you. He has the same thing for you. So I hope that encourages you to know that too. I search the world but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied.
anyone who can. Amen? Amen.
the great privileges of being a part of a church body is that we can pray for each other. I was talking to a few of our women this week, and there's a woman who's been coming to our church she's, uh, for three weeks now, and she's facing some surgery April 3rd. Her name is Tammy. Can I invite somebody to come forward here and kneel at the altar and be praying specifically for Tammy and for her upcoming surgery? invite you to come forward. If kneeling is uncomfortable for you, you can sit on the front pew. Thank you so much. Also, Vicki Robertson, Robinson, she's going to be facing some surgery beginning of April, hip replacement surgery. Can I invite some to come forward and just say, I'm going to be interceding and praying for her. Thank you so much. And we want to keep praying for Julie as she continues to grieve the loss of Jerry. And I invite those to come up and gather around Julie and be praying for her. We are a praying people. We pray for each other, and that gives us so much comfort to know that when we are going through difficult times, our church family is praying for us. You may be seated as we pray. Father, we thank you so very much. That you say, come unto me. You want us to come to you with our concerns, with our prayer requests, with our praises. And Father, we have given our praises to you today. We have sung those praises, Lord. And Father, we do come to you and we thank you. We praise you for who you are and for all that you are doing for us. 
We just thank you so much for our church family, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for how you are at work in and through us. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us together to encourage each other and to grow together in our faith. Help us, Lord, to just continue to grow in our love for one another and our love and devotion to you. Father, I just um, thank you that we can gather here and pray, especially for Tammy, and we do lift her up and pray for her surgery that is coming up soon. And we pray, Lord, that she will have successful surgery and a quick recovery and will be able to be back worshiping with us again very soon. And I do pray for Vicki, and I pray, Lord, for her surgery. And I pray, Lord, that you will be with her, that surgery will be successful. I pray for a quick recovery for her as well. Just help her to know that you are with her all along the way. And, Lord, we do lift up our sweet sister, Julie, and we pray, Father, that you will bless her, that you will continue to show your love and presence and comfort to her each and every day and night, Lord. We just thank you for her faith in you. We just pray and we know, Lord, that you are with her and just help her during this time of grief. And, Father, others, Lord, others that are going through difficult times, Lord, you know who they are. You know their struggles. You know, Father, their, um, the, the difficulties that they may be facing right now. Father, will you help them to know that they are not alone, that you are with them? Help them, Lord, to fix their eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Lord. Jesus, help us to remember that you are with us. And help us, Lord, to let go of any baggage, any burdens that we do not need to carry. Help us to let go of those and to allow you to carry them, Father. You're so much stronger than we are, and you love us so much, Father. You don't want us to be burdened. You want us to be set free. And Jesus, how I thank you, how I thank you for going to the cross so that we can experience that freedom. Father, I pray for anyone, Lord, who might be struggling with the burden of sin. I pray for anyone here who has not yet confessed that sin to you, has not yet repented and turned away from their sin. Father, I pray for them now that today can be the day, Lord, that they repent of that sin and turn away from it and turn toward you and receive you into their heart and into their life. Father, there is no better, no greater decision than to give you control of our heart and our life. I'm so thankful, Lord, for that salvation. I'm so thankful for the hope that we have in you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you invite all of us into that hope. And I pray, Father, that each and every one knows that. And Lord, I just have such a burden on my heart also for those of us who have kids who are not gathering with the church today. I pray for them, for those who have strayed, for those who are no longer worshiping you on a regular basis. I pray for them, Lord. I pray, Jesus, you will draw them back to you and to your church. Be at work in our families, Lord. Be at work, Lord, in, the, in our loved ones' hearts, Father. And Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you again for your many, many blessings. And I pray, Jesus, now that as we open up your word, that you will speak to us 
that you will open our hearts and our ears to whatever it is that you have for us to, to learn today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. those lights up so I can see who's listening to me and who's not. Please. Thank you. Hey, if you've been around the church for a while, you've been praying for a missionary and aid worker in the country of Niger. Is that how you pronounce that, George? That's right. And I probably just wrecked the French. Uh, Jeff Woodkey has been released after six plus years uh, in captivity. And that's uh, a reason to praise God, amen? Yeah, thank you. I meant to mention that uh, when I was up here before and George has been uh, keeping us posted and I'm sure we'll hear more in the days ahead. Not yet in the country, correct? He is back. Okay, and with his family and uh, we're just really praising God for that. I didn't get any grandkid pictures this week, so I'm forced to show one of my own. Yes, there she is. And uh, not only do uh, many of us have our kids, but our grandkids, and a few of us, great-grandkids on our hearts. We want them to know God. We want them to love God. We want them to decide to follow Jesus. We want them to stay with His church. You can't divorce Jesus and His church. They come as a package. Amen. And so as Kelly has uh, prayed today, let's continue to pray for our kids and grandkids. Here's my message for this morning. Only Jesus and Him crucified. I'd like to bridge back to the Sunday before, and I'll do that for a second here. Last Sunday we took up the subject of hospitality, opening our home, sharing a meal, inviting people in, not only to our homes, but into our lives, into our circle, into our church, our community, our country. It's a uh, biblical theme of uh, some significance. And I offered it last week as a significant way we can love our neighbor, which we're called to do, one of the two great commandments, and to love each other. Within this church family, within the fellowship of the church, uh, the practice of hospitality can strengthen the ties that bind us or perhaps create some ties. The conversation that we can have, perhaps oh, uh, uh, over the meal today or in our homes, can help us understand each other, get to know each other, preserve unity, bring healing. Hospitality is a sacred and timeless practice. And in terms of those outside of uh, this church family, it can be a great way to reach out. Uh, for decades now, at least, we live in a culture of uh, skepticism and doubt. And uh, it will take time to lead others to Christ as we build trust in relationship. And that practice of hospitality is a significant part of that. 
One church challenged its folks with a missional lifestyle captured in the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. I uh, changed that up a bit and challenged our church back home with BLESS. I think I've got a slide. The acronym BLESS, and I'm going to attach uh, the details of that to the Tuesday bulletin this week. If you want to live intentionally and have a, a lifestyle that captures mission, uh, there's one way of doing it. Bless three people every day. One inside your church, one outside, and uh, you know your third is the choice that you make. It could be an email, it could be a note, it could be a, a box of donuts for the folks that you work with. But every day, bless somebody. Listen. Uh, commit one hour a week. I hope we're doing more than that, but just one hour set aside to, to ask God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? And then that third one, share at least three of your 27 meals, if you're a three-meal-a-day person, with somebody else. That could be a lunch with a colleague. That could be having somebody over or whatever it might be. Stay in the gospel. Study and sent. Be aware that every day you're sent on mission. You're living on mission. You're living your purpose. Keep a journal tracking how that's going. And there's just one way of being intentional about all that. Again, Tuesday, I'll send that along to you. I recognize that I have a tendency in my preaching and in my ministry, and that tendency is to uh, spend quite a bit of time uh, focused on what we ought to be doing, what we should be doing, what we can be doing. I'm a little bit of a doer. I'm an exhorter. I am a motivator. I am self-motivated. I do, 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 do. And that's not always great, and I recognize that tendency in myself. I do that for couple of reasons. I think that's who I am. And I also do that, I think, because there is generally in our American church a disconnect between our faith and our living. We can sing about it. We can hear sermons about it. We can study about it. We can read about it. But are we doing it? And there has for decades in these United States been a neglect of our mission. We can worship. We can come together and enjoy pop blessings, we can study our Bibles, we can pray, but are we living on mission every day? So that fuels that a little bit, but I was thinking about that tendency on a walk this week, and I was challenged by something that I said last week, and I've said before, I'm as much a hearer right now as you are. And last Sunday, I said that I always try to spend time in the Gospels, wherever else I am in scriptures, because the four gospels that we have are the record of the life and ministry of Jesus. It, that's it. And I spend time in the gospels because Jesus is the center of our faith. At the center of our faith is a relationship, a relationship, first of all, with God the Father made possible through Jesus' death. And then a relationship with Jesus made possible by the ministry of the Holy Spirit and still by way of confession. I've sometimes looked back on my ministry even this past year and wondered if I've spent enough time helping people just have that relationship with Christ from which the doing should flow. I'm looking at my retired colleagues and maybe they can uh, resonate with what I'm saying. I spend time in the Gospels because Christ is the head of the church. 
not as in the top of the org chart, but as in the head of the body. If I look at my hand and, and, and squeeze my hand, or if I think about the pain in my uh, thumb joint because of a little arthritis, all of that is made possible because of the central nervous system and the communication between my head, my brain, and the various parts of my body. If you cut off my head, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> no pain, though, after that. I spend time in the Gospels because Jesus is the one I'm following. Twelve disciples and others literally did that for two or three years. They literally followed Jesus. They could see him from village to village and town to town. And now what does that look like? Well, I still follow Jesus. I follow his example. As his spirit lives in me, I follow his lead. I go where he would go. I do what he would do for the reasons he would do it. I spend time in the Gospels because Jesus is the one I want to be like. And that's not just a WWJD 70s thing. That's not just my idea. That's a biblical idea. Romans 8, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Or as the Apostle Paul said in 1 John 2, the Apostle John said in 1 John 2, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And so on that walk this week, I determined that today I would just try to focus on Jesus. Just try to lift up Jesus and not jump to application. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit and you to make the application. In fact, in that little insert, and maybe you could take that out. I think it's green cardstock. Grab a pen. I ask the question, how is the person and life and ministry of Jesus speaking to you this morning. I just want to lift up Jesus. And so my text this morning is Jesus. And in the various gospel passages that I want to uh, take up in order to lift Jesus up, I want to look especially at how the shadow of the cross falls back on the life and ministry of Jesus. Does that make sense? I'll call it the way of the cross. The actual cross, the crucifixion, the death of Christ, I would suggest only culminated the kind of life he lived all along the way. Does that make sense? And the kind of life he calls us to live. Of course, God the Father raises Christ from the dead. Yay. But to come back to the title of my message today, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I was struck again by the Apostle Paul's resolve in coming to the Corinthian church. He says, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 2, I... Resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Why not know nothing but Jesus Christ and him raised from the dead? Yay. Of all that Jesus did and of all that Jesus was, why him crucified? Why was that Paul's resolve? 
us Protestants don't uh, generally like our Catholic and Orthodox friends displaying Jesus on the cross in their sanctuaries. At least that's what I've heard. A crucifixes. Because he's been raised. He's not on the cross anymore. But perhaps they're not wrong in that, given Paul's resolve. I'm hoping that fixing our thoughts on Jesus today will help us understand Paul's resolve and help us know Jesus just a little bit better. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, it'll be on the screen as well. Five gospel passages as we fix our thoughts, our eyes on Jesus today. Let's walk with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26 at verse 36. Here in just a couple of weeks in uh, perhaps what are new to you, a Maundy Thursday service and a Good Friday service, we'll be walking through these gospel passages in greater detail, remembering what Jesus suffered in those last uh, few hours of his earthly life and ministry. I'll touch on a couple of those today. Jesus and his disciples had just uh, eaten the Passover meal, shared what we now know is the Last Supper together, closed that time with a hymn, and now they slipped out of that upper room and began that uh, brief journey from that meal to the Garden of Gethsemane. Depending on the location of the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, when we don't know that exactly, it could have been a 10, 20, 30-minute walk. My guess it was quiet. Jesus and his disciples arrived at the garden. They had been there before, but tonight was like no other. In the garden that night, we see Jesus' humanity as much as anywhere else in the Gospels. We see it in his anguish, verses 37 and 38. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. In his own words, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have you ever been there where you just felt like dying? Where you felt so bad you didn't think there was any, any hope, any light at the end of the tunnel? I'll bet many of you have. Jesus has too, and I can't help but, but uh, insert a little aside that is so awesome to me that that very person who knows exactly what you're feeling, exactly what it's like to live down here, exactly what you've gone through, he does, is now seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth, praying for you and interceding for you and, and pulling for you. That's an awesome truth. He knows where you've been, perhaps where you are right now. We see Jesus' humanity in his need for friends. His need for them to be present, for them to be close, for them to be with him. His confession of feeling overwhelmed was made to Peter and James and John, his, his inner circle, his, his closest disciples. And he took them with him and he said to them, stay here and keep watch with me. We see Jesus' humanity. And then at verse 39, there's that remarkable question, request. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. This cup, his suffering, his death, 
that Roman scourging, that crucifixion. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. But in the last part of verse 39, we hear Jesus' bottom line, his resolve, his, his heart. Yet, not as I will, but as you will, Father. Not my will, but yours. That was Jesus' determination and desire to do the Father's will. And that had been his determination and desire all along the way. Not my will, but thy will be done, no matter the cost. I want that to sink in no matter the cost. We heard it in Jesus' response to the devil's final temptation at that time of testing and preparation at the start of his ministry, Matthew chapter 4. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Fly away vacations, summer uh, homes, uh, sweet rides, Money in the bank, success, status, it's all yours. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Not my will, your will be done, Father. We heard it at the beginning in the wilderness, we hear it here in the end in the garden, and every day in between, every day, not my will, not what I want, not my way. But God's will, God's desire for me, God's way. And Jesus said that all the way to the cross. It was about this time in my preparation, I asked myself the question, did Jesus ever have any fun? That sounds heavy duty. You know, I think he did. I think he enjoyed life. I think he enjoyed the people around him. God's not opposed to fun, but not to the neglect of his will. The fun can be within the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. How did Jesus know what God's will was? The same way we do, I believe. He knew the scriptures. From a young age, sitting at the feet of the teachers of the law and the elders, he learned. He knew the scriptures. He prayed. Often got away by himself to pray. He used his God-given ability to think, I have to believe. He learned from those who had gone before, same way we do. And most importantly, he wanted to know and do the will of God. He was determined to know and do the will of God. And I would suggest that submission to the Father's will is the way of the cross. There's a dying there to my self-willfulness. Are you seeing that? It wasn't just about the cross on Good Friday and the crucifixion and his death. There was a dying along the way. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to make the application. 
I keep wanting to jump to application. But I just want to lift up Jesus. It wasn't just his death on the cross at the age of 33, but a death to his self, to his own will in all the years of his life. Let's retrace our steps back from the garden to that upper room, John chapter 13. I'm turning there with you. The last of the Gospels to be written, written by the Apostle John, who stood at the foot of the cross looking up into the face of Jesus. He remembered that uh, last night, verse 1, just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Think about what would happen later that night, just in a matter of hours. There in the garden, an armed uh, mob would arrest Jesus, betrayed by one of his own twelve, for 30 pieces of silver, sold him up the river. The rest of those disciples would uh, run scared, and Jesus would be utterly alone. Think of all that would happen that night. And with his betrayer still at the table, and knowing all that would happen, at verse 4, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, And he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus served others. Even that night. Even those guys. Think about the life and ministry of Jesus beyond the healing and the miracles, the preaching, and the teaching. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Jesus helping to clean up after that wedding in Cana. It was Jesus who had breakfast ready on the shore after a long night of fishing for those disciples. And here's what's really stunning. He served people who talked about him behind his back, who weaseled their way ahead of him in line, who frustrated and failed him, who were doing him wrong and trying to do him in. He served them. He was a servant without condition, with no exceptions. It's why he came, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That involves a dying of sorts. Serving others is the way of the cross. So we're fixing our eyes on Jesus this morning, fixing our thoughts on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. As that beautiful hymn has it, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend, eh? Lifting up Jesus. In Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter, at verse 30, 
Jesus is trying to get himself and his disciples away for some much-needed rest. They had been with people a lot and had so much going on that they didn't even have time to eat. That's awful. So they got in a boat and headed for some time alone. But when they approached the shore, they found the crowds had gotten there first and were waiting for them. Now, if it had been me and I saw that, I'd be telling the disciples to put that boat in reverse. I do not need more people right now. Let's get out of here. That's what I would have done. But not Jesus. Jesus had compassion on those people, landed the boat, and began to teach. I hope Jesus did get some rest and did get away, and I believe he did. But he always put others first. He had time to pray for kids. Time for a late-night conversation, perhaps not even planned, with Nicodemus, who came knocking at his door was willing to put his own needs aside for a time to meet needs, was willing to put himself at risk in touching a leper, in approaching a demoniac. I have to believe that thinking of others before yourself involves some dying. It's the way of the cross. All that I've said so far, all that we've seen of Jesus in these gospel passages is a testimony to Jesus' love and to the love of the Father who sent his Son to us. Back to that Thursday night, Jesus said to his disciples, John 15, greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You can just see Jesus that night looking into the eyes of those disciples. And you are my friends if you do what I command. The disciples would see that in just a matter of hours, come to fully understand that in time, I suppose, as we have. Think about uh, this. Because of what Jesus did, a terrible instrument of suffering and execution, and in Jesus' case of injustice, has become a universal symbol of grace, forgiveness, and love. The cross is now, a cross is now the cross of Christ, and we see it everywhere. When I survey the wondrous cross, love so amazing, so divine. Jesus' love for us was seen throughout his life. His love for the Father evidenced in that determination and desire to do his will. His love for us evidenced in his desire to serve others, putting others first the way of the cross, but supremely displayed on the cross that day. As I thought about Jesus, I wondered when Jesus came to realize that he would and how he would die. You ever think about that? His family would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover every year, perhaps. Crucifixions were common. Thousands and thousands and thousands of those uh, died on crosses 
around the city of Jerusalem and throughout the Roman Empire. And you have to believe that on one of those pilgrimages, they would have passed someone being crucified. When did Jesus realize that he would be? Jesus knew that the Father would raise him from the dead, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And what Jesus believed was true as he faced Good Friday, he experienced as true as it began to dawn on the first day of the week. But we'll save that for Easter Sunday. But here's my last point. Jesus believed something that we all must believe, that in God's kingdom, death is actually the path to life. And not just the path from this life on earth to the life we'll have in heaven, but the path to being the path to being raised to life here, a spiritual rebirth, life being breathed back into us, the kind of life that God intends for us to have and live right here and now. There's a dying to ourselves, our self-rule, our self-willfulness, our self-centeredness to our sin. There's that death. We've got to die to it. And here's where I do want to connect our faith and our living and then fixing our thoughts on Jesus, recognize that we too must take the way of the cross. Jesus anticipated that for us in John chapter 12. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it lives and produces many seeds. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that German pastor when Christ calls a man he bids him come and die Paul's testimony Galatians chapter 2 in the King James version it goes something like this I have been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I want to read you something from C.S. Lewis you know I like C.S. Lewis right from mere Christianity Your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It's like finding ourselves. That's been a phrase for a few decades. It will come when you are looking for him, Jesus. He's our pursuit. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for more everyday matters. Even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. That principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death. Death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day. And death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself And you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, seek Christ, pursue Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. That kind of message out in our culture today does not make sense. It is the opposite of what you're told to do in a thousand different ways. But it is the path to life. And we all must walk the way of the cross. So why Paul's resolve in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? There it is. 
There it is. He resolved to know nothing among them but Jesus Christ and him crucified because that's the same way he calls us to. We're one week from the start of Holy Week, two weeks from Good Friday and Easter. Here's an invitation. Come to the cross. Stand at the foot of the cross. Look up into the face of Jesus. That's where it all starts. The challenges you're facing now, whether you gather with the church, whether you do this, do that, whatever it might be, come and stand at the foot of the cross and look up into the face of Jesus. And let's examine our hearts in this Lenten season. Is your desire and determination to do the will of God no matter the cost? Are you serving others in love, even those that are talking about you behind your back who have done you wrong? Are you putting others' interest ahead of your own? Are you loving each other in this family and loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you believing, are you buying that tying is actually the path to life? That the way of the cross is God's call for you just as much as it was for Jesus. Have you come to the place in your life where you are all in? You're all in. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do. Have you? You know whether you have or not. And if you haven't, that's what God requires of you. That's the open door to everything. To everything. And having surrendered all, do you trust God to raise you up? My friends, those are important questions. As I fix my eyes on Jesus, fix my thoughts on Jesus, as I open the Gospels and try to lift him up, those are the questions that come to mind for me. Because he's who I follow. He's who I want to be like. He's the head of this church that I'm a part of. He's the center of my faith. Y'all know that hymn at the cross? Throw those words up there, Scott, would you? Cindy's making her way up to the keyboard to uh, play it for us. Let's sing that chorus while she makes her way there. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Let's stand together. Let's sing this in closing. Here's the verse. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sin? Such as I at the cross, at the cross where I first. 
toward Easter. Let's do it. Let's let God examine our hearts. Let's make that full surrender if we haven't already. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer for us. I'm going to include the food so we're ready to eat when we dismiss. Amen. God, I'm thinking about blind Bartimaeus and that question you asked to him. What do you want me to do for you? Father, his answer still uh, stirs my heart. Lord, I want to see. We want to see. I want to see you. I want to see myself for who I am. I want to see others the way you do. Father, when I came as a, a young boy to the cross, when I invited you into my heart, I began to see. God, I pray that we all would. God, I pray that you take your word today, sung and preached and prayed and apply it to our hearts and continue to speak to us and open our eyes, oh God. Father, I thank you for the food that's been prepared and the hands that have prepared it. I pray that you'd bless our time around these tables. Help us to eat with glad and sincere hearts and encourage each other, I pray. And Father, as we leave this place this afternoon, God, help us to be your sons, hands and feet, his eyes and ears, Help us to be your word fleshed out in the lives of others. 
I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. God bless you. Help set up and then help us eat. Close to thee. Let it know.